My name is Pastor Chris. I'm so glad that you're here with us today. Uh, glad if you're a guest of ours, if you're joining us online, welcome. Uh, if you're here, you'll notice if you were here a couple weeks ago, it looks a little different up here. I'm thankful for some of the changes that we're seeing. And now there's some video on the screen. So if you're sitting far away, you can maybe see a little bit closer up. Um, but I just want to say a big thank you. We have some volunteers that serve in our media and in some of those areas that came and set all this up and ensured that we could have service today. So thank you. Thank you, Pastor Rick, for you and your team and all the hours of, of preparation that went into uh, to this. There's a lot that goes on to make Sundays happen, and I'm thankful. Teamwork makes the dream work. Do you know what I'm saying? Teamwork makes the dream work. And what I see is that when we're all using the gifting that God has given us and we're using it for his sake, we can see God do some amazing things in and through us. Yesterday was incredible. Let me give a big shout out to everyone that served over at our backpack outreach in Plainfield. Are you here today? Some of you are here. Wow. I mean, my, my family and I, we were able to be there for a portion of the time. And you just see the body of Christ doing what Jesus called us to do, serving, praying with children. They were able to give over 500 families the school supplies they needed, and I think there's another 100 bags added to that, so almost 600 families received what they needed to start school, and, um, and ministry was happening over in Plainfield. We're so thankful. Thank you for serving. Thank you for being the hands and feet of Jesus. It was a beautiful thing to witness. We are in a series entitled Gifted, where we are walking through and really beginning to understand something about us as people, as followers of Jesus. We're learning something about us as the church collectively. I want you to know again and again, I'll tell you every week, you're gifted. Look at your neighbor and remind them, you're gifted. Come on, do it. Talk to someone next to you. Let them know, you're gifted. What we see in the New Testament, in the church that Jesus founded, the church that Jesus began, was a gifted church. It was a gifted group of people that weren't leaning into their own skills, their own abilities, their own giftedness, but the Holy Spirit, by his power, by his sovereign will, he gave distributed gifts to the people of God so that we could do the things that Jesus called us to do. And so we've come to different passages of Scripture that all talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit in the way that we have been gifted. We've been given special power, special supernatural strength to do the things that Jesus has called for us to do. Ultimately, we've been gifted to accomplish His will for our lives and for our church in, in this time. We have been gifted to accomplish His will, His purposes Time and time again, I continue to struggle with what we see in this world as a definition of success. And I think for many of us, we would feel like we have been successful if we've done the thing that we have set out in our own hearts to do and accomplish. So for many of us, we would define success as I have accomplished my will for my life. Would you agree? That's the way the world works. You've set up. Some of you will only measure success by whether or not you've accomplished someone else's will for your life. Maybe your parents, maybe your spouse. Maybe you've been trying to live your life to please others. And for you, success is, did I become everything everyone thinks I should be? We'd say that's success. But I want you to know neither of those are a true measure of success for a follower, a disciple of Jesus. Here's success. Did I accomplish God's will for my life? Are we talking about that enough? Are we praying for that enough? 
Parents, are you speaking that into your children enough? Is it that they would just accomplish your will for their lives, or do you want them to become everything God wants them to be? You will never be disappointed when you pray that kind of prayer over your family, over your loved ones, even over your children. Lord, help them to become everything you desire for them to be. But that requires surrender. Are you with me? That require, I mean, I, I'm, we, we pray that for our children now, but I want to know when they become teenagers and they grow up, it might become more and more challenging. Maybe it would feel better if they got into an Ivy League score, or they did this, or they chased after that. But I want to tell you, all of that pales in comparison to whether or not they're walking in the will of God for their lives. Man, that's all that matters in the end, that I would see my children walking in the truth. And so for us, we want to redefine success. As a church, when I re redefine success in your own life, Lord, I want to accomplish your will. And I want you to know you can't accomplish his will without his strength, without his power, without the gifts that he gives to you. And I want you to know he's gifted you in such a way that you can accomplish the plans that he has for your life. You have a plan and a purpose to fulfill, to walk in, to carry out. And we're just going to continue to learn about that today as we go to God's word. We're going to open, if you'll have your Bibles, open with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, and here's my prayer for you today. And this is the prayer that God has been working in me and, and changing in me, is, Lord, give me a new picture of what the church is today as I read your word. That's what I want you to ask. Lord, show me what the church is. Because I think for many of us, we think the church is a building. We get the idea that the church is a people. But I believe by what we see here in Ephesians chapter 4, God's going to clarify and help you see more clearly and more fully what the church and who the church is meant to be in this world. So that's my prayer. Lord Jesus, would you come now, open our eyes to see you, to see what you have for us, to understand your word and apply it to our lives today. Holy Spirit, come and just speak. I, I hide behind the cross and I ask your spirit to speak through me in these moments that we have together in Jesus' name, amen. Man, I'm gonna read to you Ephesians chapter four, starting in verse seven. It says this, after it talks about the unity, that's the first part of Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. It's all about how we are one. We are meant to be one. We're one in Jesus. There's one baptism, one spirit, one Lord. We are meant to be unified, but there's a diversity in our unity that is beautiful, and it has to do with how we've been gifted. Look what it says starting in verse 7. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and he gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ, Jesus, also descended into our lowly world. And the same one who descended, Jesus, is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. And now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come into such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son, Jesus, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then you will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We won't be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, 
growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. When he makes the whole body fit together perfectly, as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts to grow. So the whole body is, come on, say it with me, healthy and growing and full of what? Love. Healthy and growing and full of love. What a picture of a church. Oh, Lord, would we be healthy and growing and full of love? We can't do that. Let's just work it backwards. If that's the goal, look at the beginning of verse 16. Until we all fit together and each one does its own special work, until you begin to walk in and operate in the gifting that God happens, we cannot be healthy and growing and full of love. Make sense? And we cannot do that until we ultimately always serve Christ as the head. If he's not the head of this church, then we cannot fit together in his plan and we cannot be healthy and growing and full of love. I want to be that. And so therefore, Jesus always has to remain the head of his church. And we have to understand the special way that he has built us and equipped us to work in such a way so we get healthy, growing, full of love. Man, I think a lot of churches today, when people try to define the church, they don't use those three words. Come on, think about it. The church at large, such people have a whole lot of other pictures of what they think of when they think of that. But I think God's bringing us back and he's preparing us for a revival in our own day. And it will only happen when we get back to the heart of who we've been called to be as the body of Christ. Here's what has struck me about this passage of Scripture. So often when we think about the church and we think about the idea of the body of Christ, we think about it as an illustration. The church is like a body. Wouldn't you agree? A church is like a body, and there's a leg and a foot, and you know, this person's the foot, and this person's the leg, and this person's the mouth, and, and so we're like a body. But I want you to know the Bible doesn't say the church is like a body. It says it is the body. Understand the difference. When you think about like, you mean we're talking about just an illustrative piece. When you are the body, what does that mean? That we are the body of Christ. This isn't just a picture that's been given. It is meant to speak to the way we function in this world today. We are the body of Christ. If we can just grasp what that really means, it will change everything for you. That we are the body of Christ. My prayer that we will grasp that today more fully than we have before. We have been gifted to be the body of Christ. And Jesus, he died for our sins and he gave us a special gift. If you look there in verse 7, let's just go back and take a look at a few of these verses. It says, God has given us special gifts through the generosity of Christ. We've each been given something, special gifts because of him. And there are different varieties of gifts. We talked out of Romans 12 last week of gifts of serving and the gift of helps, the gift of teaching, these other ones. We'll touch on a few of them again today, but I'm going to add a few more gifts to our list of seven we started last week. But look at verse 8. It says, this is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led out a crowd of captives and he gave gifts to his people. Psalm 68 verse 18 talks about this. This is really a quoting of the Old Testament we see here. And it talks about the idea that there is a psalm, it's called a psalm of victory. 
A psalm of victory is one that's declaring what it looks like when God is victorious, and they liken it to someone who went, a commander of an army, who went and he's returning to Jerusalem and he has all these captives and he has all these gifts and all these things that he's plundered from the enemy and he comes and he kind of ascends the hill to Jerusalem and he distributes gifts. He gives sacrifice to the Lord. And there's this beautiful picture and it says, this is what Jesus has done for us. Jesus came down to this earth. He was born of a virgin. Born, that's what we celebrate at Christmas. He lived a sinless life. He died a sacrificial death. On the third day, he rose from the dead, and then he ascended to heaven 40 days later. When he ascended to heaven, Jesus said this. He made a promise to his followers. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I'm not going to leave you alone. I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Isn't that what he says in Matthew chapter 28? He promises he'll send his Holy Spirit, but he promises us even his presence. He said, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. I want you to know, you can't go. You can find every other religious leader in the world. You can go and find their tomb somewhere. You can't find the tomb of Jesus. When you find it, you can't find his body. He's not there. He's risen. He's alive. He's seated at the right hand of the throne. But I want you to know the imagery that's here is what Paul's trying to show, is that when Jesus went, he was buried, he died, he went down, and he did something. So the word here that we see is that he took the captives captive. It's the word that's being used in, in, in verse 8 is there's a double word for captive. And it's a plan word. So here's what happens. You and I, we were held in captivity from our sin. The enemy held us in bondage. He was the one captivating us. He was, he was holding us captive. But what happened is when Jesus died on the cross... He went down. He set us free. He set the captives free. But you know what else he did? He took the ones that held us captive, and he put them in prison. <laughs> he took captive the captivated. He took captive the one that had us captive. So he, he defeated the enemy, and he set the captives free. And he led us. And now we're free. Now we're his children. Now we're forgiven. Now we're redeemed. Now our lives are different. And it says when he ascended, he then gave gifts to his children. He gave gifts to his people. And this is the beautiful part, that Jesus, when he walked this earth, when he lived here and he actually ministered all around, we saw these parts of Jesus' ministry. You see, when, when it talks about in verse 11, these are the gifts that Jesus gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, or the pastors, the teachers. When you look at this, when you add those five things up and you look at those attributes, what you see is a perfect picture of Jesus. Do you know Jesus was the apostle of all apostles? Do you know he was the prophet of all prophets? He, was, he is the good news, the evangel, the evangelist. He is the great, the great shepherd of our souls, the good shepherd. He is the teacher above every teacher. He is the living word of God. So Jesus is the perfect you know, kind of unity of all five of these parts, and they come together. We could see it in God's word so clearly. It says in um, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, it says, we see Jesus... My holy brothers and sisters who share in a heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as what? Our apostle and high priest. The word apostle means sent one. So that's what, that's what that means right there. It means Jesus is the one that's sent. It's that God so loved the world, he gave, he sent his son to us. Jesus says, just as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. Jesus is the apostle. 
John chapter 4, when we think about Jesus as prophet, when Jesus calls out a woman who had five husbands who was living with a man who was not her husband, Jesus read her mail, and I, and I love her response. It's, it's a very short statement. She says, sir, you must be a prophet. <laughs> you must be a prophet. Sir, the woman replied, you must be a prophet. That, that's all she says. But we see it over and over and over again. Jesus is the prophet. All the prophets are speaking of him. And Jesus, as he spoke, he spoke and, and, and was the perfect picture of a prophet to the people. The good news, Jesus is the good news. Jesus didn't just bring good news, but he is the good news that we could be forgiven. Our, our, our name as a church is evangel. You know what evangel means? Good news. We're meant to just embody that good news, to show the good news of Jesus. When we think about Jesus as a good shepherd, John 10 talks all about this. Verses 14 and 15, I love what Jesus says. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know my father, so I sacrifice my life for my sheep. When we think of Jesus as teacher, there's so many places where they call him rabbi, they call him teacher. But in Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, we see so much going on. It says, Jesus traveled throughout all the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, announcing the good news of the kingdom of God, and he healed every kind of disease and illness. So we see Jesus as the apostle. We see Jesus as the prophet. We see Jesus as the evangelist, as the shepherd, as the teacher. He's all of those things. But then he dies for our sins. He raises from the dead and he ascends to the Father. But what did Jesus say? I'm not leaving you as orphans. I'm not leaving you alone. I will be with you always, even to the ends of the age. Jesus, when he sat and he talked to Simon, when he declared him to be the Christ, and he stood there in Caesarea Philippi. Jesus says, on this rock, I will build my church. Jesus built the church. He established the church. The church is meant to flow with a function. And it is known as the body of Christ. I want you to understand what this means. So Jesus ascends to the Father. And what does he do? We're all here. Are we perfect? Are you perfect? No. But Jesus said this. He said, you're going to go on to do greater things than even I have done because I'm going to be with the Father. We see in Matthew 10, Jesus calls his disciples to him. He calls them apostles, sends them out, and they go out and they heal and they perform miracles. They do the very things Jesus did and they proclaim the kingdom of God. Here's what happens in Ephesians chapter 4 that we need to learn. That we've been gifted as a church to literally represent Jesus in this world. That what happens when he ascended to the Father, he released his gifts to us. And those gifts, part of them are in these five distinct areas. The apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. There are these gifts, apostolic gifting and evangelistic gifting and teaching gifting, shepherding gifting, prophetic gifting. He's given these gifts for a very distinct purpose. So that we could be the body of Christ. What does that mean? I don't know that you've grasped it yet. The Bible says this, that Jesus is the what? Head. Jesus is the head. We are the body. What does your body do? It carries out the will. It carries out everything you think, dream, imagine. The things that you desire to do, it is carried out through your body. You and I, do you know what we are when we are the church? We are meant to be the presence of Jesus in this world. 
We are literally meant to be the presence of Jesus in this world. When they see the church, they're not just meant to see a group of people. They're meant to see Jesus on display. They're meant to see Jesus changing lives. They're meant to see Jesus speaking to their hearts. They're meant to see Jesus allowing the word to become alive. They're meant to see Jesus providing care, nurturing them. We are a church, Jesus with skin on. We are meant to be the body of Christ carrying out his plan, his will, his way. And he's given these five giftings to the church to do just that. So I want us to understand them because they're so vitally important to us being the church that Jesus has created and called us to be. First, we think about the apostle. The apostle literally means sent one. So the apostle, when we see the apostles, the 12 apostles, but then there were other apostles beyond that, uh, from the apostle Paul to Barnabas to a few others, they were always people. This word means sent one, sent ambassador, sent messenger. It is the one who is sent and the one who extends. It's the one who is sent to a new place. They plant the gospel, they plant the church, and they extend the mission of Jesus to the ends of the earth. So when you think of apostle, you think of sent one. Many times we use a word now that we don't, we don't see a lot used in Scripture, but the idea of a missionary. Think about one who goes out and they begin to plant the gospel, plant churches, especially among people who have not yet been reached. There's an apost- apostolic gifting that's at work when we see those that are sent, those that are going and extending the kingdom of God, the mission of God, to the ends of the earth. That's where that gifting is being seen and on display even in the church today. So for us to be who Jesus has called us to be as a a church, there must be this going, this sentness, us living on mission, continually going out, reaching even to the ends of the earth to go out and establish the work of the gospel in places that haven't yet heard it. The second one is the prophetic gifting, the prophet. This is the one who guards and guides. We talked about the, pro- the gifts of prophecy last week. And this means not just foretelling about the future, it's forthtelling, proclaiming truth, the truth about Jesus, pointing to Jesus. But when we think about the prophet, all throughout Old and New Testament, they had these few functions. They were guardians of the covenant. They were always calling people back to God's way. They always wanted to bring people back to God. They wanted to guard God's purpose. They wanted to guard us to be faithful. They would always speak to those things. They would guard against idolatry. So when they would see other gods being worshipped, the prophets, their hearts would be broken because the prophet feels the heart of God. The prophet is the one who is feeling these things and they're calling people back. Come back to God. Come back to his way. And they're guiding, trying to guide the people back to the heart of God. So we see the gift of prophecy as it's working. It is in many ways guarding us back to God's heart, guiding us to Christ, guiding us to God's plan, his purpose. And so we see the prophet doing that. And so there's some in the body, and we can't be who God has called us to be without that prophetic gifting working, leading us back to God's heart, because if we're not careful, we can get caught up doing all kinds of things, right? But it's always about getting us back to God's heart. So the apostle sending out, are we going out? Are we advancing the mission of Jesus? wherever he would lead us. Are we at God's heart? Are we seeking him? Are we pressing in? Are we, are we turning away from our sin? Are we turning to God's heart? So we see these two working together. The evangelist. This is the one who gathers and brings good news. So as the apostle is the one who is sent and they're going out, the evangelist is gathering people. Gathering, come and see. 
come and see Jesus. Come and experience him. They have magnetic personalities. And when that evangelistic gift is at work, it will gather people for the sake of bringing the good news of Jesus to them. Helping them see the good news. Helping them grasp the good news. Helping them understand that Jesus died for their sins. And they're just kind of magnetic. They just, they're infectious in that way. I've seen some of you, you, you have this gifting within you. And I watched it. People are drawn to you. And you're drawn to drawing people to Jesus. It's just what you do. And no, it doesn't matter what they're walking through. You're just always bringing them back to Jesus. I got the answer for you. His name is Jesus. Come to church with me. Come pray with me. Come on, come and see. Like, you have that in you. There's just this evangelistic gifting. That, that is just wired in you, and that's what you're always drawn towards. We need that as the body of Christ. We need to be going. We need to be speaking and sensing God's heart. We need to be drawing people to Christ. Are you seeing it? This is the body. The body's reaching. The body's feeling. The body is drawing and gathering to Christ, the shepherd, the one who protects and provides. This gifting is all around this protection, this nurturing. It's this instinct to protect the community from danger, to provide for needs. In the same way that a shepherd would tend to the flock, there's this gifting, this shepherding, gifting that is meant to be given to the body. Pastors, we operate in so much of that, but I want you to know it's not just pastors that the Holy Spirit is gifted in this way. Many of you, you have this gifting as well, and the Lord would call on you and draw you to be used to help tend to the flock in the way the Lord wants. Amen? So we need this. If we don't have this, if we are shepherds that aren't tending to the flock, then we can miss it. Even if we're doing all the other things, this is so vitally important. This gifting. Finally, teacher, the one who understands and explains. The one who actually understands the truth of God. They find great satisfaction in helping others learn the truth, learn wisdom, apply it to their lives, explain it. So we see this. It's unlocking truth. It's helping people walk more clearly in the truth. And so you'll see many leaders and pastors and others that will operate in different types of this gifting and flow in and out of them. But I want you to know it's meant for the body of Christ as well that many of you have been gifted in many of these ways. We have people that are sent and you're going and there's something in you that's transformed as you're living on mission in another country. There's something in you and I'm believing that with all the people that are going, I'm waiting for the days that some are going to come to me and say, Pastor, I've gone X amount of times, but now I'm going to go and I don't know that I'm coming back. I think God's called me to be a missionary. I think God's called me to be a sent one to go and proclaim it. Like, that's what God's doing in certain people's lives. But for many, he'll activate that calling for a season in you to help reach out and establish the work that he wants to do. When these five ministries are work working together, when these five giftings are flowing in the church, I want you to know we're representing the fullness of Jesus in this world. When we're lacking in these areas, we're only giving a partial picture of who Jesus is. I want you to know when people look at the church, I don't want them to see a building. I want them to see Jesus on display. I want them to see not just a group of people doing good things. I want them to see Jesus at work in their midst. That's what we're promised whenever we're being the church that he's called us to be. When we fully operate in these areas, the world will see Jesus. It will represent the fullness of Jesus to this world. So I want you to now think. I gave you those five areas. I want to make it very easy for you to understand these connections for these five areas, these five giftings. For the apostle, they're connected always to the mission of God. That's their heart. That's their priority. Connected to the mission of God. The prophet is connected to the heart of God. Just connected to his heart, feeling what God feels and calling people to that. The evangelist is connected to the message of God, which is the gospel, the good news. 
the shepherd is connected to the people of God, tending to their needs, caring for them, and the teacher is connected to the truth of God, his truth, his wisdom, his understanding. Does that, does that make sense, church? So this is the working, and this is how Jesus has gifted the church. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we have received giftings in these areas, along with the other ones we've already talked about. And when they work together, some beautiful things begin to happen. Come on up, Pastor Rick. The things that we see that begin to happen as we operate fully in these giftings is we begin to mature. It says in verse 12, their responsibility, the responsibility of these five areas working together is to equip God's people to do his work. To equip God's people to do his work and to build up the what? The church, the body of Christ. When we're being built up and when we're built up, what will happen? It will continue on and on until we receive such unity in our faith and knowledge of Jesus that we become mature in the Lord. And I love this. We measure up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Do you know what happens whenever the world experiences a church that's operating in this way? They begin to see Christ, his presence here. Jesus gave us this type. We are the body of Christ. We are his church. He is the head. And as we surrender our lives to him, and as we live for him, the world sees Jesus. They don't see us. The world experiences his presence through the church, through us being who he's called us to be. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, we are Christ's ambassadors. We are his sent ones. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. You see the gifts working together just in this verse. We are his sent ones. We are his ambassadors. He's making his appeal. He's speaking through us. We're pleading with you and speaking for Jesus when we say, come back to God. Be reconciled to God. This is the Lord's desire that we would be a sent people, that we would be a people that have his heart, that we would be a church that's gathering people and drawing them to the good news about who he is, that we would tend to the flock in such a way that Jesus is pleased with how we care for one another, how we love one another, how we nurture one another, and at the end of the day, that we walk in the truth of God, that we aren't deceived, that we aren't giving way to false teaching, but that we walk in his truth and in his way. It says in verse 14, it says, when we're doing this, we won't be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown away by every wind of new teaching. We won't be influenced by people when they come and try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Without that maturity, you could be vulnerable. You could be vulnerable to bad teaching, things that sound right but, but aren't quite, and, and we can miss it. But when we truly endeavor to be who Jesus has called us to be, beautiful things happen. Maturity happens in your life. In verse 16, or in verse 15, it says, we will speak the truth and love to one another. There'll be such truth and such love that just permeates this house. We will grow in every way to be more like Jesus, who is the head of his body, the church. And he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts to grow. So the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Church, we've got work to do. 
I want to become everything Jesus has for me to be. I want you to become everything Jesus has for you to be. And if we are willing to do that together, we collectively can become everything Jesus wants Evangel Church to be. Do you see it? But it will only happen when we're willing to surrender ourselves to him and to really allow him to lead and guide us, to allow us to fit together to be the body that he's called us to be. I promise you, I'm searching the scriptures so I can help you, but I'm telling you, I cannot find one spiritual gift that is sitting in a pew for an hour and a half on a Sunday. There isn't one there. There's not one. It's that church attendance is not a gift. It's just an entry point. It's just walking through the front door. Once we get here, there's gifting in us that God wants to unlock, that he wants to activate. We can never be who God's called and created us to be until we're willing to fully walk in the gifting and walk in the way that he has for us individually. So if he has you here, why not step out and prepare yourself and say, Lord, however you want to use me. If we're, we're not like a body, we are the body of Christ. We are his body. Each one of us is a part of that body and every part is needed and necessary. Some of you say, Pastor, I know there's a few parts of the body that we can kind of do without, like the spleen. I think we can get rid of the spleen and we're okay. Is that true? We can kind of lose our spleen and we're okay? The gallbladder, can't you get rid of your gallbladder and you're okay? There's got to be some body part that we, and you know here as happens, 70% of the church thinks they're that one little part that maybe the body could do without. That doesn't work that way. The tonsils, yeah. Everyone's like, I'm the tonsils, Pastor. You could do without me. I'm good, but, but I'm not really needed. But I want to tell you, honestly, 80% of the body operates like they're one of these parts that isn't really necessary. I want you to know we're all necessary, and God has work for us to do. And when we step into it, you're not even ready to see. I'm not even ready to see all that God's going to do when his people just embrace his plan for their lives and say, Lord, if you've gifted me, Lord, help me to step out and begin to walk in it. So that's what I want us to do. So would you stand to your feet with me today and just get ready. Next week, we are going to be talking more about this and we're now going to become more and more specific. I've given you, from last Sunday, we had seven gifts that were given to you. I shared definitions for them. If you didn't catch all of that, go back and watch it on our website, evangelchurch.com. Today, I've given you five, but two of them were repeats, prophecy and teaching. So we now are up to 10. There's more that we're going to go through in the weeks to come, but next week, we're going to stop. I'm going to give you definitions for all of them in one message. You're going to receive a handout, something in your own hand that you will be able to see all the gifts that we see in God's Word. But you're also going to understand how those gifts connect to this body here at Evangel and how you could take steps to become connected and walk in the gifting that the Holy Spirit has given you. So between now and then, here's what we've been encouraging each week. You need to be praying. You need to be asking the Lord to show you and reveal to you where those gifts might be. You may have sensed even in your own heart, there's some things that we talked about today. You sense those gifts rising in you. You sense that in yourself. Begin to pray into that. Ask the Lord to make it clearer and clearer. Last week, there were some things that sat out and stood out about those giftings. Say, Lord, I think some of those might be at work. Spend time in prayer asking the Lord to reveal that to you. In fact, we're going to spend a few moments here right now doing that. I'm going to pray for you. I want you to be praying as well. I want you to come back ready 
to begin to step out into those giftings. Even this week, say, Lord, if that is it, Lord, if it's evangelistic, Lord, help me to begin to step out in faith and have conversations and draw others. Lord, whatever it might be, help me to respond to your heart so I can walk in the gifts that you have. It's a safe place to do that. We're creating a safe place for you to do that, to explore how the Lord has gifted you by his Holy Spirit. So Tam is going to invite you, if you're sensing some things, even in your own heart, that the Lord is already stirring some gifts in you. He's showing you some things. I'd encourage you to come to this altar. We're going to spend a few moments just praying into those. I want to pray for you. I'm going to invite some of our leaders and pastors to come around you and just pray. But if you sense that, if you sense, Pastor, Lord's stirring me in some of these areas, just come. Come out of your seats right now. I'm going to close in a word of prayer in a moment. I'm just going to invite you, though, if you're sensing some of the gifts that we've already talked about might be in your heart, the Holy Spirit may have gifted you in those, just come out of your seats. We'll begin to pray for you at this altar. But for everyone else, I'm just going to begin to pray. I'd invite you right now just to lift your hands as we prepare to close. Lord Jesus, we come before you as your body. Lord God, we come before you as your church. You are the head. Lord, we are your body, Lord, made up of many different parts. Today, Lord, we thank you that you've gifted us. We can't do it in our own strength. We can't accomplish what you have for us with our own talents, Lord God. We need the power and presence of your spirit working in us and through us, Lord God. I pray today that the loudest voice in the hearts of your people will be your Holy Spirit. Would you speak to us? Would you show us in the areas where you have gifted us in individually so that we as a body can work collectively for your will and for your purposes. Lord Jesus, just begin to speak to the hearts of your people. Holy Spirit, lead and guide and show us how we're meant to function together. Lord, I just pray now, today, and in the days to come, especially next Sunday, would you make it so clear in the hearts of your children. Help us to be healthy, connected, growing, and full of love and to be the body that fits together in the way that you've called us to. We thank you, Lord, that we're not like a body. We are the body. But Lord, unite us together by the power of your Holy Spirit and set us on mission to do the things that you've called for us to do. We just surrender ourselves to you afresh and anew. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. God is so good. Thank you for being with us today. We have some plenty of space here at the altar at the front. I'd encourage you to come. I'd love to pray with you today before we close, or our, our leaders would love to pray with you. If not, please save your conversations for the foyer. We will love to see you next Sunday. You don't want to miss next Sunday's message. I really know God is going to begin to connect some things for us here. So have a great week in the Lord. We'll see you Sunday, or we'll see you Wednesday night at our prayer night. You don't want to miss that either. God bless.